Well, I'm telling you about Steel Power Equipment, S-T-I-H-L. You can find it at over 9,000 independent local dealers around the country. Or just go online at steeldealers.com. Again, S-T-I-H-L. They have power equipment for any job that you may have around the house. And the beautiful thing is you can get their products in gas, battery, or electric. I love the battery stuff. And their batteries last forever. Uh, I tell you all the time that I have them for trimming purposes uh, if you got to blow stuff out like in the front yard or even you know light snowfall which we still may get some uh, before the end of the year it is terrific for that I've had a number of uh, tools in my garage made by steel over the last several years and if uh, you have heavy duty products or projects like uh, taking down trees they have the chainsaw that will get the job done steeldealers.com s-t-i-h-l they are terrific and they are also so the outdoor power equipment of the Colorado Rockies. Boyer's Coffee is how I start my day. And a lot of folks in these parts have started their day with Boyer's Coffee going all the way back to 1965. That's right. They've been around for more than 50 years brewing outstanding coffee here in Colorado. They're a great community partner. They're environmentally conscious and they have wonderful flavors. Go to boyerscoffee.com and see all of their different products. I'm a carrot guy, so I get the... uh, the Carrick stuff. I have it delivered right to my house. In fact, I have a delivery that should be here in the next couple of days because I just ordered it uh, yesterday. Or you can find it at your favorite local supermarket. Also, we're giving away tickets, or they're giving away tickets to be more uh, specific. Uh, all season long club level tickets. So you can also grab a coffee in the Boyer's uh, Cafe on the club level. Uh, so great tickets, and uh, we're going to let you know a little bit later how you can win those in the podcast. Keep listening, and we'll have the details for you. I can give you one hint. Uh, you'll have to reach out to the DrewGoodmanPodcast.com, the website, and provide information there. But you'll have a trivia question a little bit later in the podcast. So uh, get out to a, a Rockies game via Boyers. Get in the contest, BoyersCoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, part two of Drew's conversation with former Rockies right fielder Brad Hopp. Brad talks about what might have caused the Rockies to stall out in the 2007 World Series. Were they good? Yes. And were they rolling? Yes. And baseball is momentum and, and, and confidence. And we lost momentum. Now, after you start getting down, you start trying to get some momentum back and you're in the hole, you can't fake confidence. Not transferring the blame to that, but it sure would have been different if we'd have both had two days off. And here we go. Then later in the show, Drew has your chance to win club-level tickets to an upcoming Rockies game courtesy of Boyer's Coffee. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 92. Glad, as always, that uh, you're with us. We're now a better part of a couple weeks into the season. And after the offense for the Rockies got off to a pretty good start at home, which you'd expect, but I was pleased with the 12 home runs. I think it was 11 or 12 home runs that they hit at home. You knew they were going to struggle a little bit going out on the road, especially to California, especially when you go to San Francisco and then on to Los Angeles for obvious reasons. Great pitcher ballparks, and especially in the case of the Dodgers, you're facing uh, terrific pitching. But... You have to do better than, as we tape this podcast, four runs in the first four games. Uh, They're coming off back-to-back shutouts. The transition leaving Coors Field is always difficult. It's been difficult when the lineup has had 
uh, preponderance of big names and power hitters and guys you'd expect to hit 25, 30, 35 home runs, and they still would get uh, you know nullified, at least initially, out on the road. I'm not in any sort of panic situation because the way I look at this year, however you want to articulate it, rebuilding, um, fact-finding, I I fall uh, on the latter. It is a fact-finding year. It is a year of opportunity. You've heard me say that many times, not only on the podcast, you've heard me say that on the television broadcast on AT&T. You have to find out who a number of these lesser service time guys are guys like Garrett Hampson, guys like still Rymel Tapia, guys like Sam Hilliard. You know, you know the names. So give them an opportunity. And we're not going to make a, a, a quick and sweeping judgment, you know, 10, 11, 12 games uh, into a major league season. So that's where I am when you evaluate the Rockies position players right now. It's going to be an ongoing and fluid situation. Listen, when they match up with the Dodgers, they're not there's no one who can match up with the Dodgers. The Padres you think are close at least in the division. There's some other really good teams out there in the American League. I saw the White Sox uh in spring training. I think they're really good. Uh you know, the, there's some teams in the NL East that are certainly uh intriguing. But, but the Dodgers roster uh, is ridiculously good and deep. Uh, but uh, as for the Rockies, got to see more offense naturally. want to see the evolution of uh, how these young players do. You know, it, it kind of reminded me. I'll tell you one other note, by the way. The strikeouts, I'm going to be on that all year. They have to diminish uh, 41 strikeouts in the first four games on the road, 10-plus a night. Got to get the ball in play. There was a situation, actually, I mentioned this on, on television, where I think Garrett Hampson was at first, and McMahon got the ball in play. It was a roller to second. Didn't hit it very hard. It was kind of a jam shot. So there was only one play for the second baseman, uh, Gavin Lux, and he threw out, uh, you know, easy play. He throws out McMahon at first, but... In the process, Hampson went to scoring position. Story's coming up. The story did not get a hit. He ended up being the third out of the inning. However, if he does get a base hit there, in all likelihood, Hampson is going to score, and you quote-unquote steal a run by getting the ball in play and not having an empty at-bat from Ryan McMahon. And in the past... You know, there have been, especially for Ryan, way too many empty at-bats. If that's a strikeout, it's two outs and Story's coming up and Hampson's still at first base, as opposed to now he's in scoring position, even though, you know, it was a ground ball to second from Ryan McMahon. So you understand my point. Seen growth already uh, from Ryan McMahon this year, who's one of the guys who is off to a very good start. I was reminded of a couple of my favorite quotes. And, and one of the great things about, you know, sitting in the dugout every day, though we haven't been able to do that the, the last year plus because of obvious reasons. Uh, but when you're daily with, uh, you know, the manager, and especially when they have charisma and great wit, as Clint Hurdle did, as... You know, Walt Weiss did and does. These guys are, are still with us, obviously. And, and Buddy Black certainly does. There, there's all kinds of humor that takes place. And I'll, and I'll share with you a, a couple of quick lines that 
are very familiar to Clint Hurdle and, and Jamie Quirk, who, who's a great guy, great baseball guy, former Royal and, and played with Clint and then was his bench coach and has been around baseball forever. Both of these guys used to run this line out there frequently about Major League Baseball. And that is they would remind the media when they'd say, boy, this guy's working hard or this guy, uh, you know, uh, really is giving great effort. And they would say, listen, this is not the try-hard league. This is the do-good league. And I love that line because it's true. Because if it was all about the try-hard league, they could run my ass out there, right? Because I'm going to try hard, but I don't belong out there. So it's not the try-hard league. It's the do-good league. One of my favorite uh, lines. Here's another one that you hear all the time from uh, from Buddy. You know, he gets asked you know, a myriad of questions. And, and he says, hey, listen, I tell the guys... And I remind them this all the time. I tell them on the first day of spring training, and, and again, we'll, we'll visit it at different times. Rule number one for Buddy is be prepared for anything. And Buddy got to roll that line out recently when he was asked about uh, his impending um, twins that his, that his daughter is about to uh, give birth to. And he said, he said, hey, I reminded her and I'm reminding myself. Rule number one, be prepared for anything. It's one of my uh, favorite buddyisms. All right, moving on. Uh, give you a quick uh, update on a couple of injuries with the Rockies. Brendan Rodgers doing baseball activities. That's a new one over the last uh, several years. Baseball activities. It means, you know, they're swinging the bat. Maybe they're fielding ground balls. That is the case right now. Brendan Rodgers is fielding ground balls and, and running a little bit. Still no timetable as we take this on a Wednesday, April the 14th, as to when Rodgers will return. I have my fingers crossed it's in the next couple of weeks. Kyle Freeland. Uh, again, as we tape this, is throwing out to 90 feet. First of all, let me tell you this. I'm shocked that he is able to play catch now at 90 feet and stretching it out a little bit because when he grabbed the back of his shoulder, you thought the absolute worst. Then you hear no surgery. So the fact that you know several weeks after this occurred in spring training, he's been playing catch for, for more than a week, and now he's stretching it out to 90 feet, and soon I'm sure we'll hear that he's stretching it out to 120. Those are all great signs. Now, having said that, you are not, in my estimation, this is my supposition, going to see him throw on a big league mound in a big league game still for a significant period of time. I mean, anything before the early part of June, to me, would be an absolute, uh, you know, it would be a victory, but, but would be shocking in terms of how quickly he returned. It's still going to be a while, but at least initially, it appears that the Rockies really dodged one. So there's a, a couple of updates on those two guys. Uh, Chris Owings with the thumb. Uh, he's not going to be able to come off right at 10 days. It's going to be a little bit uh, longer than that. Hey, I want to talk about instant replay for a moment. We all saw the Alec Baum slide into home plate in the Philadelphia-Atlanta game uh, a couple of days ago. And... By every angle that I saw and that you saw, and therefore I believe that the umpires saw in New York, he never touched home plate. Now, he was called safe initially, and they upheld it. And you're sitting there and you're frustrated saying, wait a second, there's no angle that shows him ever touching home plate. Atlanta got hosed in this deal. And it reminded me again of the fact that we're always seeking 
perfection with replays in any sport. But what are they? Who are they interpreted by? They're interpreted by human beings. We want to take away the human element because there is fallibility with humans. And so then we bring in technology. Yet the technology, again, is interpreted by humans. It's the same thing in baseball when they want to go to a robo umpire. Well, somebody has to write the strike zone on the player who's six foot four or five foot eight. You know, there's a big difference in the strike zone, you would assume, between Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge. Well, somebody's got to put the markings that then gets implemented into the computer. And how about this? What if Aaron Judge one year decides, you know, I'm going to stand upright and be six seven, six eight? Um, and then with two strikes, I'm going to get down in a crouch. That changes the strike zone. How does that adjust? I am so dead set against the robo umpire, and I think it's coming because Major League Baseball, the Umpire Association, basically acquiesced a little more than a year ago. We're seeing it now in the minor leagues. It's coming down the pike, and it is this thought that we can make something perfect. Why? Some of the I don't want to call them greatest moments, but most memorable moments were, you know, calls that, that went awry in every sport. It's part of the lore of sport. How can we expect perfection from the umpire and yet we acknowledge that there's going to be great imperfection by the people who actually play the game. Ground ball to shortstop goes through the shortstop's legs. Left fielder trying to throw a guy out, throws the ball over the catcher's head, everybody moves up. Bases loaded, ninth inning, guy at the plate, he strikes out. It's all about imperfect. So why do we expect and why are we chasing perfection with the umpires? I got something else for you. I checked with some buddies of mine who are major league umpires. And a few years ago, it used to be they, they strive to be on balls and strikes correct 92% of the time. Do you know last year, the league average, or actually it's so far this year, I should say, the league average is, is, a, is above 96% on balls and strikes. They, they get a review every single night on every pitch thrown. There have been a couple umpires that missed you know, just two pitches a whole night. That's pretty damn close to perfection, 97, 98, 99% success rate. We don't need robo-umpires. Stop chasing perfection. And you know what? It, I say let them argue every once in a while, balls and strikes. Remember some of the great rhubarbs over the years between Earl Weaver and a home plate umpire? Man, it's great stuff. It's good theater. We're accepting now of, of some more theatrics in the game, more emotion in the game. Uh, more energy, uh, the bat flips, you know, a little bit more pomp, uh, you know, with, with guys when they do something well, you know, Bauer shimmying his way off the mound. Okay, you can shimmy, you struck me out. I take one deep, I may bat flip on you. I don't think it's bad. Certainly it appeals to a younger generation. So when it comes to this replay stuff, I'm not about getting rid of replays, but I am about not having a robo-umpire. And the other part of that is it takes the art of catching and framing away. And that is the most important defensive position in the game of baseball on the field. What you can do, just, you might as well just put a couch back there then if you go to a robo-umpire. You put some big behemoth guy, hope he can block the ball. You know, in a running situation, he can practically halfway stand up because he doesn't have to worry about framing. It, it's ridiculous. Stop taking 
key elements of the game of baseball away, the art of catching with, with a robo-umpire. But I hear it's coming. So I'm going to get on my soapbox many times in the future uh, as we move closer um, to that. Uh, one other note, by the way, on replays. Can we, can we move into the 21st century? Major League umpire crew chiefs need to be mic'd up. The umpires are, are, are for this. I think COVID, quite frankly, has delayed it. I do think, in what I've heard from reliable sources, it's coming down the pike. Uh, had we not been dealing with the pandemic, we probably would already be there. Uh, but anytime there's a review, how about the, the crew chief, just like we do in the NFL, like they do in hockey, even in, in college basketball, the NBA, they're going to come over and tell the announcers exactly what happened when they look at something on replay. It's part of the process, and then the announcers can... Uh, you know, then articulate it and, and pass that along, along to their audience. Well, things happen in baseball, and, and we're kind of oblivious. The announcers, obviously, we're not on the field, so we're trying, we're left to try to interpret, you know, what was going on. But if they can quickly, you know, let the audience know, not only in the stadium, but at home, uh, what transpired, hello, that's a good thing. And, and I do think we're going to get to that uh, in Major League Baseball. It should have happened years ago. Just put a microphone on the crew chief. Part of the responsibilities of being a crew chief. Transitioning for a moment to uh, our friends at Ball Arena with the Nuggets. Man, oh man. Seeing Jamal Murray go down, devastating. Because the Nuggets, especially after the moves they made around the trade deadline. Aaron Gordon coming in, JaVale McGee for round two with the Nuggets. He said, this team without a clear-cut favorite in the West, has a chance to emerge from the West and compete for that all-elusive first NBA championship. We all know the Nuggets have never won an NBA championship. And if you subscribe to the theory, you have to have three great players to do it. You have to have a trio of superstars. Well, you know, the Joker is a superstar. He better be the MVP. Nikola Jokic deserves to be the MVP. If you look at raw stats, if you look at advanced metrics, he should be the league MVP. Then you had Jamal Murray, who twice within one week produced 50-plus point games in the NBA playoffs last year. That has the makings of a superstar. Shooting above 40% from threes, he's been even better of late. And then you have Michael Porter, who's basically been averaging 20 and 10 the last five, six weeks. Now you're going to have to do it without Jamal Murray. Is it possible is the question for all Nugget fans. Here is the scenario that makes it still possible, though obviously very difficult when you eliminate Jamal Murray. Michael Porter, who knows what the ceiling is on his game? Uber talented. So immediately he has to step it up and maybe become a 24, 25 point a night guy, 10, 11 rebounds, continue his growth on defense. And then you have the Will Bartons of the world, Monte Morris, who I've always been a big fan of. I mean, Monte Morris, the 38% three point shooter, Michael Porter's at 42%, which is even higher than Jamal Murray. Um, can they knock down threes and then collectively an even greater importance on their ability to get stops, which has been better with Aaron Gordon. So if you put all those together, do they still have a chance at making significant noise out West? Yes. Have their 
Hopes of winning an NBA championship been eliminated? No. Have they been diminished? Yes, by the injury uh, to Jamal Murray. We understand that. But don't quit on the Nuggets yet. Hey, real quick, want to talk about the Avalanche uh, as well. Now, number one points uh, leader in the NHL. Uh, They've gone through the last six weeks. They've had the best stretch in the history of the franchise. Think about that. Because we know where this franchise has been. We know when they... You know, basically had, you know, a a Hall of Fame locker room. I mean, up and down their roster. And they won two Stanley Cups. And they were competing year in and year out uh, for a cup in the late 90s. They did not even produce the kind of run that we've seen the Avalanche on as uh, they move from, you know, a couple spots below in the West to the number one spot in terms of points accumulated at this juncture of the season. I really like the move when they went out and got Devin Dubnik, uh, veteran goaltender from San Jose. Now, is he as good as he was between 15 and 18? Uh, he, he hasn't been the last couple of years with San Jose. Now, between 15 you know, and 18, he was you know, 91, 92% save percentage guy, about a two and a half goals against average or even better than that. Uh, he's a huge goaltender. You know, he's 6'6", about 230 pounds. Um, the Avalanche are going to be better in front of him, certainly, than, than the Sharks were. He is veteran insurance for Philip Grubauer, who is undoubtedly going to be one of the three finalists for the Vesna Trophy. You have to have a number two. You have to have somebody that you believe can help you still win a game, a playoff game we're talking about, if you lose your number one. Avalanche have a goaltender you can win a cup with. You know they have the roster to win a cup when you talk about, you know, arguably the best line in hockey up top and the depth they have on the blue line, the depth they have in scoring, and with Philip Grubauer. But you, God forbid, Grubauer goes down, even for a game or two, you have to have a guy you trust. And in Dubnik, at least you're getting a veteran guy who's been around, who's won playoff games. So uh, tip of the cap to the Avalanche and Joe Sackick, really solid move. All right, back to the world of baseball. This is part two of uh, my interview with a guy I've always liked, always admired, always enjoyed talking with. He's got uh, interesting takes on uh, a number of topics. So we continue with our Ideal Home Loans interview of former Rocky right fielder Brad Hopp. Do you know what's interesting, whether it's talking to you about your memories of, of, you know, playing baseball at the highest level, whether it's talking to a a guy who played in the NFL or the NBA or or whatever, Brad, to a man, and and even, honestly, even for myself, obviously, I never played it it anywhere close to, to your levels, but playing, you know, in high school and a bit in college, the thing you remember most are the relationships and the times together, not necessarily, oh, I lined a double to the gap and we scored two runs in, in one. Yeah, in the moment, that felt great. But it's always about relationships and camaraderie, isn't it? Yes, sir. Uh, I'll tell you what. I've, I've got a group text deal that I'm part of, and I'm not a big group texter deal, but I think there's 27 of us on here that's from my 2000 National Championship baseball team. Uh, and there's probably not three days in a row that go by that somebody doesn't send a text about something. Um, it's about the relationship, and it sure does help when you win something, when you're a big part of something. I mean, you, like 
that's 21 years ago, and uh, we talk on the text like we're still in college. <laughs> we're still a sophomore or junior in college. Um, we still give each other the hard times, and it's still the same things. And, in fact, our, my, our the coaches are, are part of that group text also. Skip Burtman and Turtle Thomas and, and all these guys, they're part of that text too. Um, it's, it's the relationships more than the game-winning pitch and the game-winning hit. You couldn't have said it any better. You know what? That's why I love sports so much. I, I, I obviously have a few years on you. Um, we had a really good high school football team. We still, to this day, and i got to do the math now, Brad, uh, it's been 40 years. And to this day, we still have the group text, and literally a day doesn't go by. Sometimes I'm like, all right, enough, fellas. You know, I, I'm trying to do something here. But we, we still have a group text. Uh, I lost my dad a few weeks ago. My head coach called me within a week because he had gotten word. That's 40 years later. So um, there, there's something. That's why I love sports, man. That's why I love athletics and, and, and what it does and, and how it brings people together. One of the things that, that you were able to do is, is in your own way, I'm sure, is, is bring guys together. And Carlos Gonzalez is always known as Cargo to to people especially in denver and it'll always be like yourself beloved because just a great you know he was a tremendous player obviously but a, a tremendous guy and my favorite nickname for him and i would break it out once in a while on the air is little pony and you put little pony you're the one who came up with that yes <laughs> i love carlos gonzalez um with with all of my heart that is one um special individual not just talent i'm talking about uh what he has inside of him. Um, he was loaded with talent, okay? So the, he shows up and it's like, okay, this is like, um, you know, I haven't seen something like this since Larry Walker left type of, like, this is this is, this is is too easy. Everything he does is, like, easy. The way he runs at your fly balls, the way he catches them, the way he throws, the way he plays catch, the way he warms up, the way he walks, everything is too easy. Um, and we were playing against uh, Carlos Lee, and his nickname was uh, the Caballo. El Caballo. Yes, the the horse, the stud. Right. And uh, and and he was talking about him, and they were going to be friends. I said, well, you know, you're you're going to be better than him, but you're like graceful. You're like a little pony right now. You're young, and he had that little hairdo like the, My Little Pony. And, and I, <laughs> I said, you you. I said, I said, you're like you're a little pony. I said, everything you do is so graceful and smooth and. And I said, I love it. And so I kept calling him Little Pony. And then uh, I remember we were playing against the uh, Diamondbacks, and his buddy on the other team that he grew up with was uh, Gerardo Parra. Gerardo Parra. They were playing with the Rockies. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you're like a poor man's <laughs> Little Pony. I, <laughs> <laughs> but you're not the Little Pony. You're the Little Donkey. <laughs> seven or eight years, every time he'd see me, he's like, hey, little donkey. <laughs> and so I always kept calling him the little donkey. I'm like, yeah, you're like Targo, but you're not quite the little pony. I got to tell you a story you may not be aware of, you probably wouldn't be aware of, because Para, as you know, a lot of similar characteristics in terms of being a uniter in the clubhouse and an energy guy like Cargo was, and he could bridge a clubhouse. <laughs> You know, Gerardo, Gerardo's that guy also. So um, two years ago when the Nationals, Brad, win it all, they were really, if you remember, they were like 13 games under 500 at one point in the first half. 
And you see this team with all the talent and the great pitching staff, right? And so we roll in there, Brad, in late August. And now the Nationals have been rolling for a while. And they look like, you know, a bona fide, you know, top team. And F.P. Santangelo, who you, you probably remember, is now in broadcasting. He's a good player in the big leagues. And and I, I asked F.P., I said, you know, what, what's been the difference? And he didn't, he didn't, like, pause and think about it. He blurted out, Gerardo Parra and Parra was a pickup like you know mid-season was coming off the bench he had a couple big hits for him I know he had like a walk-off grand slam obviously which is huge but this wasn't a guy playing every day and he says Gerardo Parra he said he changed the entire clubhouse the entire energy of the club and that's when you know ultimately you remember they were doing that uh you know the 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 chop thing with um what what was it The, the kid you know the I'm forgetting what it was the the, the kids thing. But anyhow, it was Gerardo Parra. And to the point you were making earlier, Brad, it changed their whole culture and allowed them maybe to be freer and easier when seven o'clock rolled around. Yes. It's, what do they call those guys? Like the glue guys or, or whatever. I mean, we had them. We had, we had them whenever, whenever I was there in Colorado. And they're, they're names that, um, maybe they, they weren't, um, you know, the, the superstars or whatever, but my goodness, they were good people. I mean, you know, you get to see one of them, uh, he's a pitching coach, I think, for the Diamondbacks, Matt Hurgis. Yeah. You know, I mean, what happened? He was a glue guy, and then all of a sudden, that offseason, sadly, he didn't get to come back, right? Uh, and we weren't quite the same. He's just an example, and it doesn't have to be like a particular individual. Um, Brian Fuentes, Josh Fogg, I mean, your your partner Spilly and I mean everybody like everybody had a little piece of the glue to them or could bring it out in somebody else um, like even Kaz Matsui and it, it, it just having the guys and, and having what the right part of them the inside is everything. Um, Cargo had it in him. Cargo had it in his heart. Um, but Tarek, you're exactly right. I mean, it doesn't. He was what the 25th guy on the roster that year. It doesn't have to be the number one guy. There was a guy in, in game 163 who, you know, kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but I know he was a, a glue guy, and, uh, and and that was Jamie. It's a line drive. Jamie Carroll. Jamie Carroll. All day. Yeah. Yes, all day. I mean, he's such a glue guy. If I go a few years without talking to him, he could call me and say, I need you, and I'd drop anything I'm doing right now, and yeah. I'll be right there for him. Hey, hey, Brad, do you do you remember in the clubhouse when when Clint gets everybody around because things fall right? You know, Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee beats the Padres. Uh, ironically, it's Tony Gwynn Jr. who who helps out the Rockies. And, and now you're going to play 163. They have Cy Young winner to played out perfectly for them. Jake Peavy's going to be on the mound. And um, and, and Clint said, uh and Clint said, we got, you know, so we have, you know, we're going to go with the Dragon Slayer, Josh Fogg. And, 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 and what did and Tulo, I'll say it, just podcast, so I can say, Tulo, what did he yell out? He goes, we're fucked, right? <laughs> he said, we have no fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> and in some ways, probably that kept you all loose when you took the field the next day, right? Yep, that's a fact. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I don't know how it played out the latter half of his career. Um, and, and, you know, I, I wasn't around. But I'll tell you this. When he was young, 
Tulo was a big glue guy, and he may not get enough credit for it. But that, like a story like you just brought up, he was. I, and and I don't. I, I mean, there's rumors and this and that. I wasn't around later, but early on, that was a good teammate. And it's why it's why here here's some behind the you know behind the curtain stuff about the Rockies. It's why you know Dan O'Dowd when he went to Dick Monford, he felt very comfortable. Um, saying we need to we need to lock this guy up. It was a huge deal very early on in his career because he thought he had uncommon leadership characteristics, especially for such a young player. Now, there's no question he was super talented, but that is why you know the Rockies went ahead um, almost to what you're watching now with with San Diego. They didn't have to sign Tatis to a you know this long three hundred million plus dollar deal that early in his career. They controlled him for a few more years. But I think the Rockies felt the same way about Tulo. Not just the physical talent, but how he was early in his career in the in the clubhouse. You know, and they were they were right. Now I don't know. Like I said, I, I wasn't there later on. I don't know what went down. I don't know what happened. I don't know what if something changed with him or not. Or, or I know that there's um, there's a miss in that relationship between him and the Rockies now, and that makes me sad because, like I said, I'm not into selfishness. And yeah, maybe something did happen. But hold on, we did some things together that. Will always be special to all of us, and it's 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 all for one and one for all. Um, so I don't know what went down later on to tarnish that, but whenever he was a young man, uh, he was he was the closest thing as a young man to Dustin Pedroia for me. Um, uh-huh. You know the the laser show attitude, the, the guy that I never played with that I that I would have given anything to play with. Um, type of attitude Dustin Pedroia Tulo had that in him as a young player. Well, you played against him in, in the in the World Series ultimately, and, and much has been made about the fact that um, you know the Rockies were on this unbelievable roll, and then you had to wait because uh, you know Cleveland had the three one lead and they blow it, and, and so you had to wait nine days to play Game One. Would the series have been different, dramatically different? Um, you know, we'll never know. But how do you view it now? Oh, 14 years later almost. Well, nine days is a lifetime of baseball. Um, there's no denying that. I mean, an all-star break of three days is tough. Coming back and being on time with 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 the stuff that major league pitchers can throw at you. Um, I'm, I'm one of those that I'm not into uh, what Skip Berkman used to call POB, transfer of blame. So, yes, take full responsibility. I do know that I've felt off, and I don't like my performance starting off in that World Series. Um, and were they good? Yes. And were they rolling? Yes. And baseball is momentum and, and, and confidence. And we lost momentum. And now after you start getting down, you start trying to get some momentum back, and you're in the hole, you can't fake confidence. You gotta, it's, it's, it's in there, and it has to be real. It's hard to come back. I mean, it's hard to – we got snowed out of some days. I mean, we didn't get to practice on some days. So, But I'm not transferring the blame to that. But it sure would have been different if we'd have both had two days off. And here we go. 
More with former Rockies right fielder Brad Hopp in a few moments, but now it's time to hear from uh, good friends of mine. Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team, they've been uh, in the business of saving you money for more than 20 years now uh, in this part of the country. They're terrific at what they do. They have salary-based employees, so they're not going to oversell you on anything. They're going to listen, and then they're going to lend, and they're going to make the process very easy for you. I've used them, I've told you, on a couple of occasions. I've sent numerous friends to them, and everyone has been very, very satisfied. That's why they keep having repeat business. And it's also why they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. It's Ideal Home Loans. The phone number is 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. How much are you watching the game now? Do you get to see the Rockies a little bit? Do you, do you follow Major League Baseball? I know you're busy with a number of things. Yes, I try to watch as much as I can. I, I love baseball. Um, whenever I was done playing, uh, I was done, and I... I just well, well, I guess phone calls. Well, I'll have you another job. My no, I'm done. I'm ready to go home. I've 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 had my share. I'm in my mid thirties now, and I've been injured for a few years in a row. I'm ready to go home. But that doesn't mean I don't love the game. I mean, I I still eat, sleep, and breathe it. It feels like I mean more than I probably should. Um, but I do. I try to watch. I try to watch you guys, the Rockies, as much as I can. Um, I mean, got a lot of friends there, and. The lifelong friends, you know, you and the rest of your crew, um, you know, Boogie all the way through the front office. There's there's people there. I mean, I played for Bud Black from San Diego, and I'm a huge fan of his. Um, Stu Cole, he was one of my first coaches in the year 2000. He was the uh, first base hitting coach for the Portland Rockies 21 years ago for me. Um, Gideon, I mean, I, all these guys. I, I got – I got guys there. Yeah, that's that's again the special thing, the bond uh, about sports that, that makes it so wonderful. Hey, before we push to record, you and I were chatting about um, the opening weekend of the season, and and Nick Castellanos, and he gets you know he gets fined, he gets suspended for a couple of days, and and I told you, I said I'm not you know promoting you know this turning into hockey from 30 years ago where there's you know three brawls every night but i thought the energy that we were seeing and the passion that we were seeing opening day and the fans being there even though we can't you know down, down your way it was great to see uh you know a, a full house and you know i know people were masked up fortunately um but to see fans back brad was awesome and to see that energy i know you were saying man you were you were pumped watching castellanos Yes, I'm a huge fan. I thought that was great. I, there was, I didn't see any belittling or anything, um, anything hurtful. Um, I didn't see any punches thrown. I, I saw Cassiano's, yeah, he probably didn't like getting pegged, but he sure did come in hard to home plate. And he wasn't coming hard at the pitcher. He was coming in hard to the plate. He got up and he was fired up. Um, you know, if, if you go back and you see the play a little bit more, you can understand he's fired up. The pitcher was on top of him when the play was done and he was safe. I mean, it wasn't a tag play. The pitcher was physically on him. He gets up and he's fired up. Um, but, you know, it wasn't hateful. And I played against Yadi Merlina for 20 years. I mean, I, I know his intensity. And he's going to stick up for his guys. And he is like the epitome of a baseball team player. I mean, they, they don't create them any better than that. Um, my favorite part about it all was Nick and Castellanos was the same way. He said, hey, listen, I'm good with it. I love Yadier Molina. If he says that they didn't try to pay me intentionally, then they didn't try to pay me intentionally. Whatever Yadi says, I take it. 
I'm such a big Yachty fan that if he punched me in the face, I'd still ask him for an autographed jersey. I am all in on that. I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And uh, out of one of the coolest guys I've seen on the field in a while, like that entire brawl, he was um, he was like as cool as he could be. Like not, not fired up, not screaming, not yelling, not doing anything. Just kind of taking it, you know, like, hey, listen, okay, I'm in. I'm stopping. I'll stop. Uh, I thought it was great. I'm way in on Castellanos right now. Yeah, I, I hear you. What do you What do you find in coaching? Uh, you know, Drake and, and kids that are you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen in there. I know you work with some older kids as well. You know, individually, you know, kids who who see the game, love the game. A lot of times they don't watch the game. Are we doing enough, Brad? Do you have any ideas how to keep you know involving this next generation, if you will? I don't. I don't have the perfect idea. They don't watch enough baseball. Um, Drake likes watching the Rockies because he got to go out there with me last spring training when I was a guest instructor, and uh, they let him suit up and be on the field and shag and have a locker. And Charlie Blackman is his favorite player of all time, and he gets to just sit there and hang out with Charlie Blackman all day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, he's he he doesn't realize that other kids don't get to do that. That uh, whenever they go to spring training baseball, they're watching the team. He's out there. He was out there shagging and throwing balls in the stands. So he likes to watch the Rockies. He likes Trevor Story and Sam Hilliard's his buddy and Charlie Blackman. He thinks Charlie Blackman's his good friend. He, you know, it's, it's, he likes to watch it, but they don't watch baseball. Um, they're the, his, his age group down here, they're big into quick YouTube videos and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, you know, other than turning on a Rockies game or, you know, the MLB network or something like that, the TV's not on very much in our house. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is different than than when we grew up and we sit down and, and and watch a ball game and we understand the nuances of the game, the intricacies of the game. You have some uber talented young kids that really barely know the rules of the game, much you know, but they they can play it, but they never watch it. Yes, they can play it, and, and and I mean, kids are better now than than ever. I mean, and it shows in the big leagues, right? It's like every single year there's a brand new. Tatis Jr. or Ronald Lacuna or you name it. I mean, wait till we see Bobby Witt Jr. show up here pretty soon. I mean, every single year we're rolling out like a brand new King Griffey Jr. And it's like, how does this happen? There's never been better young baseball players. I'm, I'm watching kids in college and I'm like, this dude looks like a big leaguer already. Um, but they don't know the game of baseball. They have, they throw harder than anybody. They have the most perfect swings and, and uh, you know, manipulated swings and mechanics and this and that. Um, but they're not, they're not the, they're not the ball players that, that, that I, that I knew growing up. I think it's going to transition back because if you throw some of that in with the, the baseball development, like I'm saying with Bobby Wood Jr., he's going to show up and he's going to be incredible. We already know that. I mean, it's like, it's like you can't miss. I wonder if he's going to show up and be that combo of super talent and um, knowledge of baseball because he grew up in baseball. I mean, it was it was force-fed to him, you know, in some capacity like, like Drake. Like, he doesn't watch – my son doesn't watch as much baseball, but, I mean, he lives and breathes it all day long, every day with, with me. Um, and, and he did for a while um, during my playing career. So, I don't know. I, I think I think he's got to get back to the knowledge of the game. But, man, the talent out there, I mean – 
it's incredible. More to come with Brad Hop after this quick timeout. And still to come, Drew has your chance to win club-level tickets for a future Rockies game, courtesy of Boyer's Coffee. Really proud to welcome a new sponsor, and I want to introduce you to them right now. They're a family law firm that I highly recommend. You know what? Divorces happen. People grow apart. This, as uh, I'm sure many of you know, is a reality. And it should not be a source of embarrassment. There is pain. There is anguish. And naturally, a myriad of questions. That's where you need great guidance with empathy and strength. Believe me, you will find it at Cox, Baker, and Page. Their goal is to get their clients to a better place. They care. Cox, Baker, and Page has been routinely recognized as the best law firm by U.S. News and World Report. They're a smaller firm and are extremely well-respected in the community. So if you have a friend or perhaps you have a need, let them know you heard it here and get a discount on your initial consultation. Learn more at coxbakerandpage.com. They're a family law firm. Again, it's Cox, C-O-X, Baker, and Page, P-A-G-E, dot com. Cox, Baker, and Page, dot com. A family law firm you can trust. Tell them that you heard it here. Now, more with Brad Hopp on the Drew Goodman Podcast. It used to be, if you and I were, were chatting, you know, eight, ten years ago, and I said, Guys who throw 100, we'd both say, Eraldis Chapman, and, and that would be the list, right? Eraldis Chapman. Now, Brad, there are three or four guys, it seems like, on every team, and then a half dozen in the minor leagues. Oh, yeah, that guy hits triple digits. That guy hits triple digits. You have no, you've never even heard of these guys, and they come out, and, and, they're, and they're throwing 98 to a 101. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy, and... You know, the game goes in, in different directions, and then it pulls back in others, and then it then it mixes back up, right? I mean, it's um, you know, it's a game of adjustments, and right now the adjustment went to Velo, and uh, you know that doesn't mean that that guys are uh, better pitchers. I mean, some of the best guys in the game now are guys that have command. I mean, and I think this. You know, I, I read an interesting article um, the other day about, hey, teams are starting to go back to drafting players based upon their command um, versus velocity. Everybody's worried about how hard I throw so I can get drafted and this and that. Um, the interesting take was, um, you know, some of these teams that are going to start drafting based upon command because they said, listen, we can teach everybody to throw hard. It's been proven that we can teach somebody to throw the ball fast. But obviously we can't teach somebody to command the strike zone. Um, you know, I think Shane Bieber was an example that he was 88 to 92 coming out of college. What was it, Mississippi State or Ole Miss that he came out of? He was 88 to 92, but he had excellent command. Well, they taught him how to throw harder, and they taught him better spin on his breaking ball, and now he's 96 miles an hour. He's the best pitcher in the American League. Yeah, you know who's kind of like that, Bradley, is, um, is DeGrom. Now, he was, a, he was a college shortstop at Stetson, and, you know, listen, he had a big arm. He was, but he worked at like 94 when he came up. Now he works at, as, as silly as this sounds, he works at 100. He does, yesterday. I mean, how stupid is that? Not a reliever. This is a starter working at 100. And every year it gets more. And he's not 23 years old. I mean, he's he's a full adult. I mean, he should not be gaining, but it's it's attainable. That velocity actually is attainable for certain people. And what was it? Yesterday he threw 38. He started the game off with 38 straight fastballs. 
but what makes him tough not is not that velocity, it's the command with it. Um, the velocity, yeah, it's good. But he was really good five years ago at 95. Um, he's better now than 100, but the only reason he is the Grom is because of his command, in my opinion. Gary Cole's the same way. Yeah. Hey, Brad, man, I, I, I've enjoyed it immensely. It's always great catching up. I'm glad things are going great for you. You are the uh, poster child for being able to make the transition from being, uh, you know, having a heck of a career to, to moving on to to other things uh, in your life. And I wish you nothing but uh, continued success. Look forward to seeing you at some point. Yeah, well, hey, here's the good news for me is I get to see you all the time. You just don't get to see me very often. I'll be seeing you on the TV soon. Yeah, we uh, we'll get after it tonight. That, you know, listen, the Rockies the Rockies lost three or four to the Dodgers, but I thought they showed some scrap, especially offensively. I, I thought so too. I mean, uh, come on! I mean, you're rolling up there. You know, game four is like who's pitching game four? Yeah, just another potential ace. I mean, that's uh, I, I, but they should art. I tell you what, real quick, I like that. Uh, you talk about how gifted that L.A. team is and how deep it is. Forget game four. They opened up a series in Oakland yesterday with their quote-unquote fifth starter, Dustin May, speaking of triple digits, throwing 100-mile-an-hour sinkers. He's their number five. Yes, number five. And he took and he took uh, David Price's spot. Cy, right. Cy Young winner. I mean, yeah. who's still really good. That's a joke. Listen, uh, I will tell I'll tell Spilly and Sully hello for you, and uh, thank you. And you stay well, and uh, look forward to seeing you, Brad. Thanks again, brother. Sure, thanks for reaching out. I enjoyed catching up with you, buddy. Brad Hop, good man, really good man. He had a really strong major league baseball career. All right, you know Boyer's Coffee is going to give away throughout the year uh, a couple of tickets to. Some really good matchups uh, with the Rockies and their club-level tickets. So you're going to feel like a big shot at the game. Here's how uh, you have an opportunity to win those tickets. I'm going to ask this trivia question right now. It's a pretty simple one. And you go to my website, the thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com, and go to the contact spot and give me an answer. Write a review if you, if you uh, like. We'd uh, appreciate that as well. Here's the trivia question. And then you'll be in the loop uh, uh, to try to win uh, tickets to an upcoming game. Brad Hopp won a national championship collegiately playing at LSU. There's another former Rocky who also won a national championship playing college baseball at LSU. Name that former Rocky. Again, you'll be in the hopper for tickets provided by Boyer's Coffee in the club level section. For an upcoming Rockies game, go to the DrewGoodmanPodcast.com. The DrewGoodmanPodcast.com. Provide us with your answer and all your uh, pertinent information. And uh, hopefully you'll be a winner. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Ben, big thank, again, big thanks to uh, Brad Hopp. And uh, big thanks to all of you for uh, listening each week. Uh, spread the word. Tell your friends about our, uh, our little venture here. Stay well, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show. 